that I'm a, a, I help out with the Evergreen Middle School cross country team this fall. And uh, it's been fun. In fact, I, I want to share a couple of stories from the, from the, the, the season. It's, the season's done. Um, one of them was in the beginning of the season. <clears throat> I was running, and I, I was kind of running sweep. You know, like there's a big, long string of kids because some of them are really fast. And then some of them are in the back. And, and so I was kind of riding sweep, and, you know, I, I, I came up, and there's this, this younger girl from our team, and uh, she didn't look so good. She's like, I mean, like her head's between her knees as she's running. She's just like like this, and I'm like, hey, you know, you doing okay? She's like, no. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I mean, just picture a, a little middle school girl saying this. I didn't know cross-country would be so much running. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, interesting. Running is not just part of cross-country. It's like all of it. It's, you know, and, and I told the I told the coach afterwards, um, she's like, every year, every year, there's at least a couple of kids, if not their parents, that are like, why are my kids running so much in cross country? It's, it's hilarious. So that was one of the funny stories. Another fun story was there was this girl, another, another younger girl like, um, in, in, on the team, and um, Every time she'd run past, she was smiling. So we, we call her Smiley, literally, like, hey, Smiley, you know, like, that's her new name. And um, a, one, a couple of days before one of the meets, she ran past me, and I, I kind of caught up with her, and I said, hey, listen, Smiley, I think it's great you have a positive attitude that you're smiling, you know, as you run. But I tell you what, if you're, if you're smiling at mile two at tomorrow's meet, you're doing something wrong, you know, because this is a race. I want you to go out there, put your game face on, and, and, and put it all out there. It should hurt. It should be painful. You're like, like, you know, if, if you're smiling, you're not doing it right. That's running, right? And um, so, so the next day she went out, and, and sure enough, um, she did great. She came, she, I was at mile two, and she ran past me with a half mile left, and she, there's a grimace and a, like kind of some gur on her face. As she runs past, and she did great. She like, she went from like getting 94th the race before that to 25th the next race. You know, um, I was thinking about it in preparation for today's sermon. I think following Jesus is kind of like that. I think there are times when, if you're smiling as a Christian, you're doing it wrong. That, that, that if you're following Christ, you wanting to be like Christ, you're, it's going to be tough to smile through what you, you need to do and what you need to face. You know, some of you are thinking about this. I can, I can see the, 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 the wheels cranking in your brain because it's true. And, 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 and here's the thing. We're, we're wrapping up this series on the Sermon on the Mount, and not a moment too soon in my mind. Honestly, I am rage quitting the Sermon on the Mount today. I told somebody this already, and you laughed. I'm like, I'm not joking. I actually, like, I can't preach it anymore. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, <clears throat> I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying that I don't like it or I don't think it's true. I just, I can't keep preaching it 
it's, it's, it's such a downer. I mean, if, if, you know, just to remind you what the Sermon on the Mount is, this is the gouge out your eyes, cut off your hands, cut off your arm, pray for your enemy, love your enemy, lust is adultery, hatred is murder. If someone asks you for one, give them two. Shirt, if they ask you for your shirt, give them your coat. Happy are the poor. Happy are the persecuted. Happy are the meek. I don't even know what that means. Like, seriously, I just can't, I, I, I literally, you can ask Christy, in preparation for this sermon this week, I had a couple more planned for this sermon series, can't do it. I just can't, I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's such a downer, and it's so challenging and, and difficult, and honestly, I like to preach stuff that's helpful and practical and, and at least at times encouraging. And, and yes, like, I, I'm not afraid to challenge you guys. You know that. Like, I'll preach challenging sermons, but I like that there's some silver lining. And I've just really had a hard time bringing you a message week after week from the Sermon on the Mount because it's so, it's so challenging. It's so stark. It's so demanding that I, I you guys, I'm not joking. I need a break. We'll come, maybe we'll come back to it in a year or two when I'm more mature or something like that. And by the way, honestly, like if you think like your pastor's shallow or lazy, like just show a hands. How many of you have been here for at least one of the sermons uh, of the sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount? Okay. Now put your hands down and don't raise your hand for the next question because it'll be embarrassing. How many of you have actually read the Sermon on the Mount since we started preaching it, talking about it? That's a challenging question. And if you haven't read it, I'm guessing like a lot of us haven't, and I know why. Because it's challenging. It's difficult. It's downright terrifying. If you sit, you sit and read, is, is that true? Is that hyperbole? Are you being serious? Like how much of, how literal should I take this? You know? And so we're just going to, you know, we're going to take a break. But we've talked about how the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's, you know, running for president, Jesus for president stump speech. Um, but I think Jesus needs a new campaign manager. Because you, you guys have been getting as much ads and flyers as I have, right? Like, it is everywhere with an election cycle right now. And, like, put the smear ads aside, because I don't think Jesus would have used that. But he could have used more of the, like, hey, if I become president, you know, like, like right now, the, the ads are, like, you'll have better schools or lower taxes or life will be better or safer or richer or, you know, just whatever, but at least, I was thinking about it this week, at least Jesus kind of shoots straight with the American public, with the American voter. You know, like, if you vote for me, if you elect to follow me, this is what it's going to be like. If you elect to follow me and you're still smiling, you might not be doing it right. You know? Because there are times when following Jesus causes us, it's, it feels like, Mile two of a two-and-a-half-mile race, and we're tired. But we grit it, and we bear it, and we go. And that's <clears throat> the reality. So today, since, since we're moving away from the, the Sermon on the Mount, because I can't take any more of it, but because we haven't covered half of it or more, I want to cover that half today and just get it done with. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. You need your Bibles. By the way, I didn't take my Adderall this morning, so this should be interesting. <laughs> Um, you're going you're gonna to need your Bibles. We've covered the part about judging, praying, giving money, worry. So today I want to cover everything else. Um, 
and partly so that we can get, get it all out of the way, but partly so you can understand and kind of feel what I'm talking about here. And partly because I want, I want us to feel today, I'm hoping by what we're about to do, usually like I read and we kind of do go line by line and I expound a little bit, almost like a commentary. Uh, honestly, what I want to do today is I want to go straight through a big chunk of the Sermon on the Mount. Just boom, one, one line after another. And, and I want to get the feel of what it might have felt like for Je- to be in Jesus' audience. And you don't get to ask questions. And he goes from this to that to this. And you're like, well, I, I, I just want you to feel as we read it. So hopefully, Trevor, probably should have warned you on this. Try to keep up, okay? Matthew 6, 21. If you have your Bibles, you can join us. Otherwise, it's on the screen. You have heard it said... You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Yeah, we've heard that, Moses. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Oh, really? Yeah, really. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, meaning if you're at church and you remember that you've done something wrong to your brother and sister, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile with them, and then come and offer your gifts. Okay, Jesus, so wait. So temple, just going to the temple is not enough? You have heard it said that it, that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble... Gouge it out and throw it away. Okay, time out, Jesus. That can't be right. Is this, is this hyperbole? Is this, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Oh, perfect. Jesus, that reminds me. I have a question about hell. If someone's never heard the name of Jesus and they die, it has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery as well. Wait, Jesus, you can't be saying. You've heard it said. He just, again, I want you to pause. This is what they had to go through. Matthew's like, wait, wait, slow down. I'm trying to write this down. The people are trying to take notes. You imagine just like, boom, 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 one after another. And you're like, I have questions. We're just going to keep going. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is verse 38. Six, uh, yeah, what chapter are we in? 638. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, or tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Guys, I don't even know what to do with that sometimes. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. But Jesus, how am I going to get anything done? How am I going to keep things for myself? I'm not finished. You've heard it said. Okay, yeah, but Jesus, every time you heard it, if you say, you heard it said, and then you say what you're going to say, it makes me feel like an idiot. Yeah, you've heard it said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Skip down to verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? 
not and are not even the tax collectors doing that? Like even like not even like not even good people love people who just love them. And then he says, "Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect." Okay, Jesus, time out. We have to stop there. Slow down. I've lost two body parts. Half of me is going to hell. I, I'm an adulterer because of what? And there's something, I have to be perfect? Nobody's perfect. Jesus, I can't be a Christian. <laughs> and can I just say that I think that that's actually a legitimate response to reading the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, if there are times where you're like, I got this. No, I, I, I can be a Christian. You're not reading the Sermon on the Mount close enough. Anybody who says, yeah, I like the Sermon on the Mount, they don't. They've never read it. If they like it, they're, like, they're, 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 they're trying to show off. Or I don't know what they're doing. But like, it, it, that's a legit, I actually think a legit, there's, there's a couple legitimate responses to the Sermon on the Mount. And one of them is, I can't do this. Or, who can do this? And I think another legitimate response to the Sermon on the Mount is, okay, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I'm not sure I want to be a Christian. I think that's a, actually a very legitimate response. It, this is when we, what happens when we read it correctly. Or, or for some of us, as we've been in church a long time, maybe you haven't sat down and read it and like really wrestled with it. Welcome back to reading this correctly. See, when we read the Sermon on the Mount this way, and our response is either, I, I, I can't do this. I can't be a Christian, or I'm not sure I want to be. I think Jesus has us right where he wants us to be. And here's why, what I mean. If we're saying to him, Jesus, I'm not sure I can be a Christian, that is right where Jesus wants us to be, because that's we're, we're, we're beginning to be in the position where we can receive grace. Right? In fact, not only are we ready to receive it, we might even be crying out for grace, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't care about my enemies. If I really, am I, if I'm honest about it, I don't care about them, much less love them. Lord, have mercy on me. If that's hatred, I have hatred in my heart most days. Lord, have mercy on me. If that's lust, I'm full of it. Lord, have mercy on me. If that's what is required, this is what's required of me. Lord, have mercy on me. I think that's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. In a place where we are, we're not thinking too much of ourselves. But in reality, we're coming to grips with the end of ourselves. And asking for mercy. I think the other thing, the other response, like, I, I'm not sure. If, I don't, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I'm not sure I want to be one. I think that's a great place to be. And if that's you, like, like honestly, maybe it's not a great place to be, but at least you're being honest. At least, and I think Jesus gives us credit for that. Because there are times, there's another time where Jesus, somebody would be like, hey, I want to follow you and be like, you sure? I, I mean, can you imagine if, if me as a pastor, you came to me and you're like, I want to follow Jesus. And I'm like, nah, you don't. And I tried to talk you out of it. I've been actually, like, this is my closest to get trying to, I, I've wanted to preach the sermon, you don't want to follow Jesus for like 10 years. I haven't quite figured it out yet. This is as close as I've gotten. But like, like, like to, you know, my goal today is to talk you out of 
following Jesus. And the reason why is because there are times where it's like almost like where Jesus was doing that to people who wanted to follow him. He'd say things like, you know, if you really want to do that, count the cost. It's going to cost you. Yeah, but Jesus, you're the Messiah. Like, like, I want to follow you towards greatness. Yeah, there's greatness over here. But you need to count the cost of what it takes to get there. And if you're the type of person that's in that boat that you're that saying, I'm not sure I want to be a Christian, like, like, yeah, like count the cost. If this is what it means to be a Christian is I have to love my enemies, I'm out. Yeah, I understand that. I think that's a fair reason to pull the plug on being a Christian. I think Jesus would almost, in a sense, commend you, at least for now, on that. But here's the question. Why is Jesus pushing so hard? Why is it so high? Why is it so hard? Like, why is... And, and, and honestly, I love... And again, I wanted to wrap... So, so I wanted... I, I had a couple more things I wanted to preach on in the Sermon on the Mount, and I was going to finish with the verse we're about to read because it's the wrap-up. It's the way he ends the Sermon on the Mount. And it's brilliant because it's almost like he senses in his audience, he's like, yeah, sorry, guys, not taking questions today. So we're just going to move through all of this material really fast, and you're just going to have to go home and think about it. Heaven forbid we think about things. I, honestly, I think Jesus, a lot of times, like when you read the Gospels, he's like, I don't know what that means. He's like, yeah, think about it a little bit more. Because when you think, the, you know, like, like I think for, for most of us, the true predecessor before we actually change in life is thinking. And Jesus wants us to think. That's why a lot of times it's like, I don't get that. Okay, yeah, think about it. He's like, yeah, I know I'm not taking questions today. But it's almost like he senses within his audience and within us an uneasiness, a, a, a questioning, a doubting. It's like, okay, but why all this? And he ends with this parable, and it's a beautiful parable. And you, if you've grown up in church, you for sure know it. In fact, we could pass the mic around. You could sing a song about it. Not going to do that. Don't worry. But here's the, he, he has this parable at the end that kind of brings in, here's the why behind the what. I've asked you to do all of these whats, all of these things. Here's why it's so important. Matthew 7, verse 24. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and read it. Otherwise, it's on the screen. This is at the end. He said all of these words. He said so many things. And he's like, therefore, on okay, in light of all of this, anyone who hears these words of mine, and puts them into practice. So in, in response to hearing these words, wow, that's challenging. Actually leans forward. Says, okay, here's what you want me to practice. I'm going to step into it. I'm going to put that into practice. Whoever does that is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it was built on a foundation of rock. And this is, this is something maybe we would understand in our modern context. The ancients would understand this a little bit more. They would have been a little bit closer to, to building their own homes and that kind of thing. And they would know that like, it's a lot easier to build on something soft, at least initially, than it is something hard. Because imagine, like, do you realize, um, oh, dude, we went on this... Uh, we did it. We did it years and years ago, like uh, a, a youth group event called Demo Demo Days, Demolition Demonstration Days, where we literally went to School of Mines 
um, uh, cave, like the School of Mines official cave, and met with a guy named Dr. Wilhelm something or other. He was, he was like German. And his real name, I don't remember his full name because he's like, please call me Dr. Boom. And he was literally this guy that like studied explosives and we're like, we're going to hang out with you all day. This is awesome. And he, he did this presentation beforehand. Do you realize how, like, you, when we look out on the landscape, almost everywhere you look, even up here in Evergreen where the land is not nearly as touched by man as, as it is, you know, in, in like a metro area or more urban area, everything that's flat has been blown up. That's what Dr. Boom taught us. He's like, any time you, like, there's a bunch of dirt to move, you blow that up. You don't, you don't dig it up, you blow it up. And you blow it up from here to over there. Imagine not having any of that. And, you, and, and, and you're going to build a house. And you've got a rock that kind of goes like this. And it's got to be flat even before you start building. And, and your, your spouse is like, all right, so when are we moving in? Well, might be a couple of years because I got some rock to chip. That's what the ancient mind was thinking about. It was costly for somebody to, to, do, to do this. It would, have, it would have been a lot quicker and a lot cheaper to do it on something softer. And Jesus is saying, somebody who listens to me, it's kind of like building a life this way. It's kind of like building a house this way. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. There's going to be times where you're chipping away with a chisel and hammer, and you're not smiling, but you're building the kind of life that you want. And then he says this, verse 26, but on the contrary, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. So somebody who hears, okay, Jesus, I'm hearing you say all of this. Look, squirrel. You know, like, like, like it just goes and, and, and just, just like, oh, man, that is good. I should think about that. Let's go get a taco, you know, like just, like just moves on with their life. Whether, you know, on purpose or on accident or out of negligence or just plain they didn't take their Adderall that morning. Whatever the reason would be, anybody who looks, who hears these words of mine and does not lean towards them. Step into them, put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And you know what a fool is, right? A fool is a person who doesn't see that life is connected. That's simply, that's all it is. A fool doesn't see that today is connected to tomorrow, which is connected to the next day. I hate romantic comedies. Like, like, and part of the reason why I hate romantic comedies is there's, it always starts with this kind of playboy guy. He's like, oh, I've got all these girls. Uh, I'm just, I'll never settle down. And then they meet just the right one. And then that right one is like, that's all I needed. That's a foolish notion. That living life a certain way doesn't affect happiness tomorrow. Like, like that's, that's what a, a person who lives life as it is not connected today is not connected to tomorrow. Hey, and if someone's like, hey, what if it rains? You're building this house on this sand, and the, and the fool says, ah, things will work out. It'll be fine. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. You know, that's a fool. And, it, and when we do that financially, relationally, when you as students, you guys are like, yeah, school, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I'll figure that out later. When we do that, 
it allows our heart and our head, you know, like, and we allow that to creep into our heart and our head, it has an effect. We're, we're, we don't know it, but we're actually building something. That's what Jesus would say. When we're making foolish decisions, we're like, no, that, that's just, I was just having fun. He's like, no, 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 you were actually building a foundation on something. Is it what you want to build a foundation on when the rains come? But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand, then the rains came. The streams rose. Streams rose and the flood came up. See, some of you are smiling because you went to church. If you're not, you didn't miss anything. It's cool. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Everybody look at me. Is it possible that Jesus is trying to save us from crashes? Is it possible... That Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, if he was the son of God, he has this, this, this view on life, he may be a little more eternal, more infinite than we do, and he understands the cause and effect a little bit more than we will, and he says, you just got to trust me, I know this seems harsh, but I'm trying to save you from crashes, from your life crashing down from underneath you. Because, come on, come on, come on. Can, can we all agree that it's all connected? You know, that, that our outbursts of anger that we might regret someday probably started with this little tiny voice in our head that we allowed anger to get a foothold, that it started small. And Jesus is saying, yeah, that's, that's murder. If, if, if murder is wrong, then the seeds of murder are wrong. Don't let that in your head. Fight hard against that. If your inner thought life towards women, it, it could affect your view of all women. That, that, you're, you're, that if you let your anger steep in your heart towards some, somebody, it could be, come out, lash out and hurt them with hurtful words. And at the very least, it could ruin your day as you're just kind of like down thinking about that person, that it's constantly, like, can we all agree that life's connected, that if we do this tit-for-tat thing, you hit me, I wallop you, we're going to destroy each other, and we're going to have World War III, you know? Can we all agree that that, but all that started somewhere, you know? That the path, the fruition, the end of our thinking, reasoning, our sin is destructive, and Jesus in his infinite wisdom, sees that and speaks against it. And he says, you know what? Whatever's creeping in your heart, nip that in the bud. Let's go full court press on that. Lean in. Don't lean out to be like, oh, we'll figure that out later. No, let's figure it out today together. And let's cut that off. Is it possible that's exactly what Jesus came to save us from was our crashes and this demanding, this, this difficult life that he's calling us to that just seems so out of reach is what we need. And, 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 and he's making it possible for us first by declaring it, this is what we should do. Then second, dying on the cross to, to forgive us of those sins. And then third, just inviting us into that life where we will fail, we'll still build bad foundations, and then the, the waves of, of difficulty will come and wipe those away. And he'll, he and his mercy will be with us there, even in those moments, and we'll rebuild with him, you know? Come on, but let's not play the fool. Let's not walk away 
from these words because they're too hard or we want to keep smiling. Here's the bottom line. Jesus, Jesus taught all of this. The reason I think he's coming on so strong is for our benefit, not our detriment. We're going to say it like this. Here's the big idea. Can you put the big idea up, Trevor? The gospel wants something for you and asks something from you. The gospel, the good news that the, 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 the God, which is, it encompasses everything that Jesus teaches, everything that Jesus did, the fact that he died on the cross, and we can cast our sins onto him for forgiveness and live in that life, that's the gospel. I've heard it once say, you can also say this phrase this way, before the gospel's good news, it's bad news. Maybe you've heard that before. The gospel ultimately is good news. It's really good news. We don't have to let our crashes destroy us anymore. Praise God. Thank you for your mercy. But before it's good news, it feels like bad news. It feels like we have to come to the end of ourselves and, and on our knees say, I'm a sinner. And, and, and to go back to our big idea, the gospel, it wants something for you. And it also demands and asks something from you. And, and I, I wanted to put this up on the screen today because I feel like in, in, in our modern world, there's a lot of us struggling with faith, faith in the balance of this statement. You know, there's some of us that were like running, like, like the idea of being a Christian or maybe you were in church and then you kind of stepped away from it. And part of the reason you stepped away is because you're running and you're like, I didn't know there'd be so much running. <laughs> I didn't know there'd be so much running in cross country. Like, like people are like, no, God, Jesus wants something for you. And like, okay, but if you want something for me, why is this so hard? That's one side. And then on the other side, there, there's, there's church environments, religious environments, probably guys like me just, uh, you know, inadvertently or just lack, lacklusterly or lackadaisically saying, doing things in such a way where it, it puts pressure on people. It's all about getting something from you. It's all about what you did for Jesus today. And it's not, where's the freedom? Where's the joy? Where's the, you know, it's, 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 if we get heavy on one side or the other, we get a distorted view of what faith is. And the point that I'm trying to make today is the gospel wants something for you and asks something from you at the same time. Both are true. Before the gospel is good news, it's bad news. And, and some of us, in order to walk in the way that Christ asks us to live, it's going to be hard. It, we're we're going to grimace through it, not smile through it. I love this last, I have to preach this last phrase. It's, it's kind of like a little mini sermon. I try, to, I try to do not do side sermons, but this is really good. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying all of these things, so he's done preaching, he puts the microphone down. The crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. I thought about this this week. This separation between Jesus and the teachers of the day is just as true then as it is now, or just as true now as it is then. Because Jesus, here's the thing, Jesus is not afraid to call out the hard things. A lot of spiritualism right now, if you just kind of go out there and just sample spiritualism in our culture right now, 
It's all about you. It's all about you know, like finding your best life. It's all about stepping into you know whatever. It's you know, manifestation. And there's this this like, hey, this is it's really all about you. And Jesus, is like, yeah, it's really not about you at all. And I know that's a tough pill to swallow, but I'm going to keep preaching that. I'm not going to back down from that. And here's the thing: is is once you once. It, it, as difficult as it might be, and once you take a step towards that, you start to realize, oh my goodness, this man has authority in my life. And that power and that authority is, is leading me towards truth about me in a healing and wonderful and freedom way. But he comes with authority. He, had a, he, he wasn't just going to say what the people wanted to hear. And the same is true today. He won't say what you and I want to hear today. He will constantly bring the, the exhortation. He'll bring the heat to each and every one of us. You've got to look at this last um, verse. This is out of James. And this is how we're going to land the plane. This is where, where we're going to stop today. Because James kind of picks up on this theme. And he would have gotten it from Jesus. James is actually Jesus' brother. And he writes this. Do not merely listen, this is James 1.22. Do not nearly, merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. In other words, to, to use one of Jesus' words, don't play the fool, don't be foolish. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's like... This, and this is great, because we, this is like, I think the first or second week we used a mirror. And I said, guys, if, if you take the time to read this and look at it, it's, there's going to be times you're going to be like, it's going to be like a mirror in front of your face, and you're like, oh, I don't want to look at that. James is saying here, I love this, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourself, don't do what it says. Anyone who listens, it's like looking, someone who looks at the mirror in the face, like, oh, that is, oh my God gosh, well, I guess I'll go about my day. You know, like, oh, there's mud all over my face. Well, I'm late for work. Guess we're going to work that way. Like, no, you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And James is saying, like, don't do that. And the word has the ability to be this mirror every time we open it, every time we open the words of Jesus. We can, we can, we can think about other people's lives, but if we're doing that, we're doing it wrong. It's meant to be a mirror. For us to look at our own face, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's what I'm praying against the most day. If I had a goal for today, is that as we move away from the Sermon on the Mount, that we wouldn't forget the Sermon on the Mount. Be like, man, that's challenging. That's good. I need to think about that. And then go to work or school tomorrow and just let life take its course. But, verse 25, whoever looks intently, I, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to force myself to look at this. I don't know what this means. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to ask people. I'm going to read. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really think about this uh, intently into the perfect law that what? Gives freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he's preaching. It's why he's bringing the heat is to move us into freedom. And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but actually doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. 
I want to pray that blessing over us. That we would experience the blessing, you know, like maybe you've prayed, God bless me. I'm going to pray a little bit different prayer this morning. Lord, would you bless us as we do your will? Lord, would you only bless us if we only do your will? As we walk towards you, would, would we be blessed in all that we do? And yeah, there might be times where we don't have a smile on our face. That's okay. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know? I'm, I give you permission to not have your smile on, on your face today at church. As a believer, as a person, if you're a follower of Christ, I give you permission to not have to smile today because sometimes it's difficult and that's okay. But whoever looks into, intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Let's pray. I pray, Lord, for this group of people that I love so much. I pray that we would be runners. I pray that we would be people who strive to be like your son. And I pray that we would be known as a group of people who are not just listeners, not just hearers, not just people who know the word, but that we would be doers, that we would turn the other cheek, that we would repent of the sins that are in our heart, in our secret, our thought life. Lord, that we would nip in the bud anger that's in our heart that would, that would cause us to harm a brother. Lord, that if we were at church, I, I pray for this story someday, that, that somebody is here at CLC and leaves CLC to go make something right with their brother or sister. Because it's not about, because in reality, our faith is not just about our connection with you. It's about our actions towards one another. You've taught us that. We see that clearly when we look in the, the mirror of your word. I pray, Lord, that then and only then, we would be blessed, that we would step into that blessing because we've become more like your son. And then that might put a smile on our face. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.